Hello, and welcome to Health Affairs This Week, the podcast where the editors of Health Affairs talk about the health policy news of the week, and where we're still really excited to be doing these, despite the fact that after our 50th episode, Don Lemon declared us past our prime. I'm Chris Fleming. And I'm Marianne Amos. Before we get to this week's discussion, a quick note. On Tuesday, February 28th, we're hosting our first virtual networking happy hour for the Health Affairs Insiders membership community. Insiders from across the country will have the opportunity to network with other Health Affairs insiders and health policy professionals, including members of the Health Affairs senior leadership team. And as always, check out Health Affairs Forefront. This week's slate of articles includes a new piece we have Um, from Laura Gottlieb and co-authors, helping us make sense of the recent spate of social care quality measures, standards, and regulations that have come out in recent months. Thanks, Marianne. Uh, And this week, our main topic is about uh, health in U.S. prisons and jails. New data has just come out on deaths within state and federal prisons during the first year of the COVID pandemic. We'll talk more about that in a bit. But first, we wanted to call some attention to important developments in the ongoing discussion about gun regulation and liability for gun manufacturers. Yes, a lot of attention has focused on the debate in Congress over gun regulation, but there have been some important developments in the states, right, Chris? Yeah, that's true. Um, Several Democratic-led states, New York, New Jersey, California, Delaware, uh, they've passed laws that allow people to sue gun makers for improper marketing and sales of their products. Uh, Several other states are considering similar legislation, and in fact, uh, state legislators in Colorado are reportedly introducing legislation on Thursday, uh, February 23rd, which is the day that we're recording this. Yeah, that would radically change the legal climate in Colorado, where current state law makes it extremely difficult to sue gun companies, and unsuccessful plaintiffs even have to pay gun makers' attorneys' fees. But these laws are being challenged in the courts, right? Yeah, that's true. Again, um, the gun industry has already filed uh, to filed suit in court to block the liability laws in the states we just mentioned. Uh, what the industry argues is that these state laws are preempted, and that's a fancy 25-cent legal word for blocked, uh, by a federal uh, law that was passed in 2005, uh, the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. Now, the question, as so many questions do these days, could ultimately end up in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, particularly if lower courts issue conflicting decisions. Thanks, Chris. We'll undoubtedly have more news for listeners on these issues in future podcasts. Um, But for now, let's get back to the challenges facing those in prisons and jails with regard to COVID and other health matters. Uh, So incarcerated populations face a range of health issues. Some of these are a function of their living situation. The close conditions that incarcerated people live in can facilitate the spread of infectious disease. Exacerbating this problem is that prisons and jails have become overcrowded. Also, ventilation is poor. There's not a lot of air exchange within these buildings. Right, and the demographics of the incarcerated population, that plays a role uh, here too, right? Yeah, that's right. And although the incarcerated population skews a bit younger, being incarcerated can kind of age a person faster. And incarcerated people have more chronic health conditions that put them at risk. To add to all that, communities are also at risk of increased illness as guards, staff, visitors, and incarcerated people themselves move in and out of carceral facilities. Exactly. So now what we saw during the COVID pandemic was that uh, incarcerated people were in a really vulnerable position. 
Prisons and jails offered the perfect environment for COVID to spread. Incarcerated people couldn't follow all those uh, public health guidelines we all became so familiar with during the pandemic. Uh, social distancing, wash your hands, isolate from sick people. Testing wasn't a priority early on, and the vaccine rollout was uneven and slow. So as a result, as one might expect, uh, prisons and jails became hotspots of COVID transmission. Research showed that the case rates of COVID-19 among incarcerated people were nearly five times higher than in the general population. And the COVID-related death rate in the prison population was three times higher than in the overall U.S. population. Right. Now, there were calls for decarceration to reduce the prison population and therefore the transmission of COVID. And this did temporarily reduce the prison population by a bit, but that reduction hasn't been permanent. And as we all know, uh, that ran into some political headwinds, and that's become another element of controversy in the ongoing debate about uh, uh, prison populations and legal policy in the country. Uh, and that all brings us back to this new data that was released last week uh, by the UCLA Law Behind Bars Data Project. As a quick note, uh, that this data project is financed by Arnold Ventures, and Arnold Ventures also generously supports several uh, forefront series for health affairs, including series on dual eligibles for Medicare and Medicaid, provider prices in the commercial market, uh, and ACOs and accountable care. Uh, this is a data set that showed that mortality in U.S. state and federal prisons jumped nearly 50% in 2020. Uh, to put that into actual numbers, that means at least 6,100 people died in prisons in 2020, uh, compared with about 4,200 the previous year. Now, we have some data for 2021. It's incomplete, uh, but reports from 28 states, and just to put that in perspective, that represents about half of the prison population. Uh, that preliminary data shows that mortality rates were above uh, pre-pandemic levels as well in 2021. Yeah, that's right. And this is particularly interesting because this is the first comprehensive data we have on prison deaths during COVID. The Justice Department used to collect and analyze data on mortality within the carceral system, but that stopped in 2019 when stewardship of the data was transferred to a different government body. And since then, data has been imprecise and incomplete. And actually, last year, a bipartisan committee found that the Department of Justice had failed to implement a law governing reporting of deaths in custody. Well, you know, uh, uh, we always want bipartisan agreement, but that's probably not the way they hope to get it. Um, so this problem of incomplete or missing data is on uh, carceral health, is it's not new. Uh, we've covered this in the journal and on Forefront several times in the recent past. Uh, just a couple of examples, a November 2022 journal article by Neil Marquez and co-authors. Uh, they looked at racial, uh, racial and ethnic inequalities in, in COVID mortality among incarcerated populations in Texas. Uh, their paper, that they, they were trying to fill a knowledge gap on the issue. Uh, and they wrote uh, that this gap was caused in part by a lack of reporting of COVID-19 outcomes by race and ethnicity by most prison systems. Now, we have another example in a January 2023 Forefront article, uh, Michael Forrest Bainey and co-authors, uh, they noted that uh, prison hospital data is omitted from federal data sets, causing researchers and advocates to really have to put in a ton of legwork to try to obtain carceral, carceral health records and statistical reports. 
Yeah, and this is a problem because, as the old adage says, what gets measured gets managed. Now, a lack of data means less transparency about what's happening in terms of health in, in prisons and jails, as well as a reduced ability to improve conditions in carceral facilities. Well, this is definitely an issue to keep an eye on, uh, but we'll have to leave it there for today. Thanks for listening to another episode of Health Affairs This Week. If you like the episode, tell a friend, leave a review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you didn't like it, lie. Thanks for talking with me, Marianne. Thanks, Chris.